BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. You're listening to the Jay Bird Watching Podcast, the official podcast of JaysJournal.com and Fansided.com where we discuss all things Toronto Blue Jays baseball. We'll talk about news, rumors, and game recaps. So whether you're a diehard fan or just getting started with the team, this is the podcast for you. Here's your host, Craig Borden, with co-hosts Jason Lyons and me, Ken Alfred. You're listening to the Jay Bird Watching Podcast. Good evening, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to what is now officially off-season mode for us Toronto Blue Jays fans. And we're already apparently into the B-Real stuff. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but here we are getting ready for uh, our off-season of just goofing around and having a damn good time here on the show. Um, Jason, we have had a very interesting World Series so far, obviously. We're going to have to talk about that. But how are you doing first, my friend? You know, really good. Uh, tomorrow being Halloween, uh, I live on a very... Um, uh, iconic street in the city of North Vancouver, even in the city of Vancouver, uh, we get about a thousand kids uh, on Halloween. Um, and, you know, as people know, there's not even a thousand kids in the city of North Van. Um, so it's, it's a lot, we get a lot of people coming in, like I got to be prepped and outside and ready to go for four o'clock for the little kids. And, but it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, so uh, prepped for that, ready to go. Got a thousand pieces of candy locked and loaded. I've got my launch tube to send them send them down to the little rats out on the street. So it's fun. It's good times. So you're not the one that's chasing them away with a fake chainsaw and making sure no, you're not no, no. candy, right? I just sit, <laughs> I stuff. have like a throne that I sit on and I just, you know, slowly get more drunk as I give out more candy. It's awesome. <laughs> so you're that guy on the block. We all get it. Hence the reason you're on this Jay Bird watching show with us, the barroom chat for Toronto Blue Jays fans. You got so, it. Joining us this evening, we have a very, very, very special guest with us. Brian Pirip of Mint uh, Cases and Mint Collecting. How are we doing this evening? I see you're on the road. You having some fun? Yeah, man. Uh, it's, you know, day before Halloween. I'm meeting up with a friend of mine um, up in Victorville. There's a baseball game, like a Little League game, and I've got about 5,000 uh, cards that I've packed together in little sandwich bags, and we're going to be handing them out at the Little League game tonight. So That's awesome. A lot of cards. Uh, instead of, you know, doing the trick treat, handing out candy, I tend to hand out cards. So when people come by my place, yeah. give them a bag of cards. That's great. Hey, there is nothing wrong with a good bag of cards or anything nope. like that. That was a very fun thing for Halloween. And honestly, I'm, I'm wishing I was clever enough to think of that one personally. But well, we, we started doing it. My team and I started doing this about three years ago. We were driving across the country uh, three years ago. We were in uh, in Texas. Or I guess, uh, yeah. And we we're in Amarillo, Texas. And we we had a ton of cards we plan on giving away on our road trip. And we're like, you know what? It's Halloween. There's all these kids. It was like a whole little league tournament pulled over and uh, spent like an hour kind of sorting them, making sure that we kind of mixed them up to, so that not one kid just got all the, the hits. And uh, we there you go. spread them out, bought sandwich bags, uh, put, you know, 5,000 cards into bags and then spent the next like hour just walking around the fields, giving out cards and, People kind of went nuts for it and we posted it and we get, you know, a lot of people watch that video. And so now we're like, let's do this every year. So this is our third year doing it. Hey, that's, that's something awesome. great to do, especially if there's nothing wrong with uh, having a little extra bonus for being at the little league field to begin with anyways. Right. So there's always, <laughs> yeah. fun. I remember one of my fondest memories was, okay, great. We just got our butt kicked, but we got the little token worth of 75 cents that we could go spend at the uh, concession stand. And one of the things that they had in the background is if you were uh, not, you know, somebody paying attention 
notices there's a box of tops baseball cards just sitting there back behind the whole thing and me and my brother were always the ones that were getting the baseball cards instead of all the sugar rush <laughs> with our tokens <laughs> after it so it worked out really with- well that's the reason i have a pile of 1995 tops because <laughs> that's about when it was so but that's how it is and it works out great at the end of the day there's nothing better than open up a pack of cards and uh just diving into it right yep yep so i can't wait to and a lot of these cards like these aren't just a bunch of commons like we put in like you know there's some autos there's a bunch of refractors there's numbered cards there's uh uh, a couple patch autos there's some pretty cool stuff that we put wow. into it so it's so there's going to be a you know two or three kids are going to find something actually you know worth something so That's, i've yeah. i kind of like the idea that i've i had that happen two years ago where a kid contacted us uh later and he's like man i found this you know auto refractor rookie in there and uh and he's like you know <laughs> what, were, what were you thinking you know why would you put that in there and we're like hey you know what it was a uh, you know we you can only own so many cards yeah and and uh, right. i don't like having too many i really don't like yeah. uh my collection is actually pretty small relative to you know how many cards i've sifted through over the years and so if i have extra cards or duplicates or you know i just find it a you know a huge pain to go and try to you know sell and try to do it that way so i was like you know what i'm just gonna i try to have more fun with the cards and what i find is you know one person's duplicate is another person's treasure oh yeah um oh back to yeah uh brian it's so interesting because just before you uh you came on with us i was actually mentioning to craig i mean you know being canadian um you know obviously we had a little bit more hockey cards in our in our youth than we did baseball cards it was either even tougher to get them i don't even remember seeing baseball cards until i was a little bit older but i was saying my son got one of these with the jersey patch in it um from just one of the dollar vending machines and it's a kid who never played in the nhl or if he did he had a cup of coffee and went down but i looked this this card up and it's worth 250 dollars because it's a game worn <laughs> It's a game worn patch. And I guess it's a really rare card. And so my question is like, how does, you know, like I obviously the Jordans and the Trouts and the, 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 you know, all that other stuff, those have value that are, we all know why they're valuable. And then there's some weird ones, but I'm wondering why, like why a a kid who maybe played a game or two um, would, first of all, would get a Jersey card and why that one is more, you know, why is that more money? It seemed like it was more money than anyone else on the Winnipeg Jets actually. Um, I would say, I mean, card prices is one of the weirdest things ever. Uh, it just, in many ways, there's no real rhyme or reason. It's a supply and supply and demand, right? So you only have, you know, you have a bajillion graded Zion Williamson, uh, PSA tens. There's just a bajillion of them. And so they're not as special. Whereas you can have like a, some guys actually collect PSA ones of certain cards because they like putting a whole collection together of just the rattiest cards that they can find. So it's, and yet the population reports on those are way smaller because not that many people have actually submitted a PSA one. And so something like a rookie patch auto or something of some obscure player, well, there's probably not that many of them. And the people that, you know, it's, Everyone saved their Ken Griffey Jr. cards, but not everyone saved, you know, their uh, Todd Van Poppel or Kevin Moss cards. So in some ways, the scarcity of some of those more obscure cards, I mean, like in 1986 Flair, the basketball set, one of the most expensive cards isn't of a necessarily a great player, not even a Hall of Fame or nothing. It's just a rare card because they it was like uh, I think it was one of the first cards in the set or whatever, but it's rare because finding one in great condition is hard to come across. And so it just jacks the prices up. I can't remember the guy's name offhand, but uh, there's every day, no matter how much I learn about cards, there's a million new things that I don't know and, and obscurities of like why, why autographs raise the price of the cards, whereas autographs on other cards drop the price of the card. Like, bizarre nuances and so i think that one of the cool things about this hobby is that it's a lifetime hobby and it's a lifetime hobby because no matter how much time you dedicate you will never you'll never scratch the surface yeah it's you'll never see them all so deep no. it's so deep and wide yeah and, which is so and, fun and about going to card shows and shops and everything like that is you never know what you're going to find it's a it's a complete 
random luck of the draw, literally, <laughs> every time yeah. you walk in. So you never know. And you, know, you might go into uh, sorry, what's that? Well, I was gonna say, does that does that like this is something that I never really understood was the NFT thing. Um, do you think that that sort of drove that sort of like, I mean, I still don't quite understand it. I've got friends who made some pretty good money. You don't have really anything, weird, you know, <laughs> NFTs. And, you know, I, I can justify a card. Like I've got bats and stuff that I, you know, like I, I, Craig and I were talking, like we're, I, I get sentimental about the places that I go. So like I've been to AT&T, I've been to Fenway, I've got, you know, I've got a bat from Fenway. I've got other cool stuff like that. And it's, you know, I don't understand how an NFT can can drive the the money that it does. Well, uh, the NFTs are practically all at zero now. Like uh, the NFT market completely collapsed. I mean, there's two sides of NFTs. A lot of people lump all NFTs into just one category. Uh, NFT, there's kind of NFTs, the technology, and then NFTs, the art. And so I think NFTs, the technology is going to have a lot to do with a lot of things down the line from concert tickets to uh, airline tickets to be able to, you know, attach that you are uh, tied to this specific uh, bit of data. Whereas NFTs, the art, I, man, I, I never thought that stuff was cool. And the, the main reason I, I thought it was dumb is that I think one of the great things about cards is the tactile experience. And, uh, and it's, I also like something that's, I like to call it Amazon proof. Nobody can print new 1952 tops cards. However many there are in the world right now, that is all there is. And yeah. so to me, the tactileness of holding something, of looking at something, and as well as the history of, of cards or the scarcity of it, I just, the digital art side of things just doesn't, it's it's yeah it's it might be non fungible but you can still go and make copies put, put it on a wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think in order for NFTs actually you meant did, ha my my you company didn't grab it from a store. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's the, I think cards is a lot more uh, has a lot more staying power long term. I think it's more interesting. Um, I think the ability to just trade or make purchases or wait for the mail to come. I mean, mail day for a lot of us is like a religious experience, you know, you, you, you know, getting that those packages that come in and being able to rip the boxes open and see what you got. There's, there's nothing in the NFT world that gives that kind of feeling. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess no, I think card, cards is going to win this thing long-term. Yeah. <laughs> and I think NFTs are uh, as far as art are kind of dead for a while. Yeah. And I did the same thing that I think a lot of people have done in the last three years. Um, being a father, I showed my now 13-year-old daughter when we were all stuck inside for how long. It's like, hey, look at this. There's a giant box here full of cards. And we went flipping through it, trying to sort them all into uh, my baseball cards were everywhere. No, no, I think they were probably in whatever the hell the team rosters were at that time, even though they were all for miscellaneous years. If I had a player that was on like, you know, 15 different teams, he was on whatever the hell the current team was for that. Like, you know, if I found Julio Franco's cards, he was on probably whatever the hell team Julio Franco was on at that time. And we started flipping through them, just trying to put the sets back together. And we couldn't believe how much fun the two of us had just doing that. So it turned into what else can we do on that same avenue? And that's when all this stuff happened in this room. And <laughs> yeah, I love how uh, she got really uh, into the cards. It's amazing how many uh, fathers and daughters or fathers and sons have reached out to me in the last couple of years and told me their stories about how it's actually improved, like their relationships and how it's something for them to do together. And um, I just, yeah, I think that's one of the great things about this hobby is that it's a, it's like generational, you know, it's a 140 year old hobby. Like that's a long time for a hobby. the nostalgia. It never goes away from it. The nostalgia from opening a pack of hockey or baseball cards never goes away. It's always as it was. It's a surprise and, um, you know, teeth shattering gum. And, you know, like <laughs> it, it was so rad. <laughs> Yeah, you know, Jason, funny enough, actually, some of my favorite collecting earliest happy memories of collecting are all from Vancouver. Um, really? I, uh, yeah. In fact, baseball cards. It was in, uh, uh, I had cousins that lived in Burnaby. And, uh, and so every summer I'd always go up to, you know, uh, uh, my mother was from uh, West Van and we, I'd go and hang out with the cousins in, really? in Burnaby. And, and there was a, there was a card shop 
in uh, Burnaby at the time, uh, back in the day that we would go and do chores and things around the neighborhood to go and make money. Spray painting house numbers on curbs is our main thing. And then we go sprinting off to the card shop and blow everything we had to go buy packs of 1991 leaf. And, uh, and so when I think about, uh, you know, summer of 1991, it was me, my cousins and baseball cards and Burnaby, uh, you know, Vancouver. So that's awesome. <laughs> Small world. It's actually not right too far there, from mine because that was the same thing. 92, 93 tops were the ones that were always in the star, uh, the store down here in the village where I grew up was uh, the dugout. And I don't know if I want to even ever admit how much money I spent. <laughs> because oh, I, uh, no, it was, it was a hundred percent. I, I, I did what it was like a, an addiction to like a, a heavy class A drug for me. Like when, <laughs> when I was a kid. It was like whatever it took to get that cash to go get those cards. And then years later, when I was in my uh, late, late 20s, so about, you know, 14, whatever years ago, uh, I was living in uh, White Rock uh, in, uh, in British Columbia. And, and I, rem- and world, I eh? used to, <laughs> small world, eh? And I'd go up, uh, same kind of thing. I'd take scrounge whatever cash I could. And I found about four different card shops across Vancouver. And I made it like a personal trek because it was right when I was getting back into the hobby. And it was all fresh and new again. And so I'd, I'd walk around and take buses around Vancouver to go visit these different card shops and go talk to the owners, you know, buy like packs of 89 tops, like really crappy stuff and uh take it back to white rock and I, but i would treat it like it was gold because it's all the money i had awesome. and so packs of 89 tops or 1991 upper deck you know looking for jordan out of the baseball packs it was it was priceless so yeah funny enough talking to, to blue jays guys and, and a canadian over here it's like for me card collecting in canada actually have a lot <laughs> of tie to me it's oh, that's so amazing crazy. it's like you had your own little pilgrimage there going on to make sure yeah. you got everything you needed and <laughs> yeah, yeah that's cool stuff that's a really cool story yeah, yeah and, and cool. uh for, for, for and on a toronto side like uh i was telling uh craig earlier um that uh i went to i two big blue jay kind of memories for me was the the first world series that i really like uh, got into was actually the prior year was 1991 with the, the Cincinnati Reds. But then 1992, I was like ready. I knew what was going on. I knew the players. I was a Fred McGriff and Roberto Almar, Jimmy Key, all these guys. And so uh, that was a World Series where I, you know, I uh, we had relatives uh, mail us some Blue Jay gear. So I remember sitting there, even though I was living in Atlanta at the time, go figure, I was cheering for the, the Blue Jays in Atlanta in 1992. And I don't forget that. And then about two years ago, I, ran, I went to uh, Toronto and went to my first Jays game in person. And I got the very best seats I could right next to Vladdy and uh, sat there, opened packs of cards, filmed it all. But uh, the, the footage just wasn't good enough to i never posted it but uh there's there uh, <laughs> uh the probably the first stadium i really filmed at where i was opening packs was uh jay's two years ago it was pretty cool great game that's yeah. awesome and i was right in the midst of where you got to see the last run of the renovations and now they've really upped their game at that ballpark too so you gotta make it you're gonna have to make another trip back up my friend <laughs> it's, it, honestly it's a matter of time i'm gonna be doing a kind of a nation tour like a kind of a concert tour like a road show for the mint products and sometime in the spring and i plan on going to pretty much every major sporting city uh in both countries and go from kind of card shop to card shop stadium to stadium and you know be going showing off the mid products but toronto is definitely on the uh pretty high on that list no it's great baseball culture there regardless of um <laughs> you know what you would expect to be mostly hockey or even canadian football or anything like that for the matter um to that point like yeah. i said i got into watching baseball as a young kid and uh growing up in the you know you know really getting into baseball in the late 80s same thing. Just got bit by the bug. And next thing you know, I'm driving up as much as I humanly possibly can to go north of the border from Rochester, New York, and having a weird podcast that I host from my room, living room in uh, 
<laughs> so it's about what infects you, right? And to that point, it's a good culture to be able to be jumping into. So you mentioned some of the guys that I grew up loving too, in the midst of that, I I was heartbroken when all of a sudden my Blue Jays cards of Fred McGriff were going to have to be San Diego Padres cards in 1991 <laughs> and things like that. So. Yeah. Um, out of the cards you got back then, maybe who was the one that really stuck out to you as far as Blue Jay culture is concerned? Maybe, uh, probably Roberto Alomar. Um, that's the first one that comes to mind. I remember getting his 88 Don Russ card and his tops traded, I think it was 88 tops traded. Um, and I was a, I, I really loved 88 Don Russ and 88 uh tops at the time. Um, that was the first set. 88 tops was really the first set that I got really into. And I remember some kid had the tops traded set and, and I remember Alomar and that was before he was really popular. Everyone was looking for Mark Grace or um, um, I'm going in the memory banks, but like uh, I just think it's funny. That's the first uh, card set I actually ever completed to was 88 Don Ross. <laughs> so, yeah. Now it's considered a trash of trash set. But you know what? I still got a soft spot for. Uh, I think that I'm I'm still a huge fan of the, the Roberto Alomar '88 Don Russ and the Mark Grace '88 Don Russ. I th- and even the uh, I think, Greg Jeffries. Yeah. I, oh God, there's a name drop for you, Greg Jeffries. <laughs> <laughs> I think I spent more money on Roberto Alomar cards as a kid. That was my favorite player growing up. I probably got a stack of about that big of just Roberto Alomar cards in the one sleeve down in the basement right now that I got to really go through. It's in a dry place. I'm not one of those weirdos that didn't <laughs> put it on the floor in my basement or something. Uh, it's all on a nice shelf. But I to think, that point, uh, Jason, what are you thinking? Worst, is- well, I think one of the worst ones, and I can, I, I mean, this is this is something that really sticks out in my mind is I don't know if you guys played Walsies when you were a kid. Um, so as Canadians, probably as, some different you know, name. We would take, I would go to school with stacks of baseball and hockey cards. And what you would do is you would stand six feet back from the wall and you would flick them. And yeah, if you yeah. got one to stand up, you got to take all the cards. And I can't even tell you the cards that I mashed against the wall. Like just thinking back to those years, <laughs> and I was buying, you know, great cards, great card companies, and and just I probably trashed thousands of dollars against a brick wall <laughs> at my elementary school. But I mean, I guess if hindsight, we all would have kept our Jordans too. If uh, you know, I ran through about. 17 pairs of Jordans when I was a kid. If I'd kept all those, I'd, oh, I'd be man. calling you from the house. Yeah, you mean, um, that hurts. I only had one. I only afford one pair of Jordans, and I definitely beat the living piss out of them. <laughs> no, you know, I was uh, back in the day, I remember being uh, when I first learned about cards, which was like third grade. Um, I guess that would have been 1987. And I don't know if it was because my my best friend introduced me and i was living in portland oregon at the time and uh and we were of the belief that these cards must be handled with like super care the even the slightest hint of touching on the corner a little fray was like you know you just crushed your value so from the earliest age it was like i would treat those cards as though they were there were gold. And then I would buy my Beckett magazine and I'd sit there on my bed and I'd go through the price guide and I'd see that my Dave Justice rookie card went up by another 20 cents. Yes. And, you know, I'd, I was like a stock trader as like a, as a nine-year-old, just tracking awesome. on Beckett and keeping my cards in pristine condition. I remember, and in fact, I'm going to make a post about this in probably a week or two, but one of the one of the worst things was I remember running up the stairs one day for something. I can't remember what was happening, but I ran up the stairs, jumped on my bed. I was putting my shoes on. And then I realized I'd sat on something kind of hard and I turned around and I realized that I'd sat on all my, my best cards. And even though they were in like penny sleeves or whatever, I'd sat on my best cards and I must've been 10 and you know, or 11 or whatever. And I just remember like a burst into tears, right? Because I had bent my Don Mattingly rookie card. I'd bent the Frank Thomas. I'd bent, you know, all these key cards. And I was just heartbroken because these, these little pieces of cardboard, they weren't worth hardly anything, but, uh, but to an they 10 or 11 year old, it was, meant everything to me. And so I mm-hmm. still, it's funny. I took this, uh, one of the cards I sat on was a Todd Van Poppel gold leaf rookie that I'd pulled out of one of those leaf cards I've gotten from Vancouver. 
And that Todd Van Poppel card was my favorite card at the time. And so I chipped off the gold leaf. And I remember I got somehow got a hold of a gold pen and I like filled it in and tried to like touch it up to, I mean, it looks like you can totally see, but now as an adult, I still have that Todd Van Poppel card. You can see us still see the creases of when I sat on it, you know, and you can still see the gold markings of me trying to fix it. And that card now I have it in like a mint case. Like it's, it's a special card to me because I think it's just, it's just, I mean, it's worthless to anyone else. To me, it means so much. Yeah. And I think you hit the nail right on the head there, Brian, as far as it means more to you because it brings you instantly back to that moment. Instantly. All these things that everybody collects and everything like that, that is the whole goal, in my opinion, is the nostalgia to it. It brings you to a good place in the middle of like the worst things that you could have going on. If you have something that you can pull out of your pocket, like your Todd Van Poppel card and be instantly taking it maybe to a little bit more of a traumatic spot with a Tom Van Poppel pot, <laughs> but at least it might be better than what you might have your headspace in right now. Um, yeah. Or at least bring back that good memory to that. Some of that too. Like you said, the, the damage and repairing and all that kind of stuff. That's just a fun story to have right there at your fingertips at any given time. So, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's a weird how cards can take you to back to different eras. And now that I'm an adult, I mean, uh, uh, in my forties, and I think about, you know, there's the kind of the childhood of collecting cards. And then there was when I first started getting back when I was 29. And, the, the, you know, that was 14 years ago. So now those are starting to become kind of n- nostalgic about those time periods. And so different cards I picked up over the last 14, 15 years, those all trigger memories of different times. I was here with this person. I got this card in to remember this time. Oh, I bought, you know, I graduated from gr- grad school and I wanted to buy myself this Mickey Mantle. So now I have that and it always reminds me that I can do anything if I was able to graduate. And, you know, it's just, it's like little reminders and motivators and like little totems to kind of uh, take, kind of trigger a memory or a, um, or like a, just a, yeah, it's like a a remembrance or something. And it's, it's just cardboard, but it means more than that. Funny enough that you mentioned that there, uh, even as the adult part, I didn't get that. I'm not fully back into collecting, but I, I'm, I have baseball cards. But I'm full into collecting, period. And, you know, so I, I have the things I like to grab for exactly that reason. But um, so as a Blue Jay fan, a few years ago, I went up for Vladdy Mania for his, de- his debut. I had to be there and I was going to drive up. And I, at the time, I went up to visit one of my co-hosts that was on this show, Brendan Panikar, lived like a block away from the ballpark. I'm like, I'm going to go in the midst of rushing around and now that day trip and all the other craziness, which turned into a Vladdy igniting a walk-off winning home run for Brandon Drury that night. I didn't get anything from that trip at all. So like a year later, I was like, I have nothing from that trip to even remember going on that trip at all. Didn't take one picture the whole time I was there. We were just running like crazy people. I ended up finding that rookie card from Tops where they did the the um, I forget what they're calling it the in game moments or whatever they are there, and got the one of him running around you know first base going nuts, <laughs> trying to get the rally started, and I have that one in my you know Blue Jay room in the back with my den where my TV and everything is I and it always reminds me of that story of just on a whim oh Vladdy's getting promoted bang ran up the trunk <laughs> hung out with a friend and had a great night so. That's the fun thing about baseball cards and fun thing about collecting period. So I got to ask because there's a lot of weird baseball cards out there too. I'm one of the ones that actually happens to have the Billy Ripken uh, F baseball <laughs> ball card. <laughs> and um, I, when I told my wife that story, she died laughing because obviously it was a hazing prank that hadn't had to happen. And they're like, Oh yeah, here's my bat. And then scribbled on the knob of the bat. Is there anything like that that's an odd one that's in your collection that stands out as the weird one that just does bring you to instantly to that moment of just laughing a little bit? Oh, let's see. I'm I know I'm really putting you on the spot the No, a, <laughs> like a weird card in my collection. Um, I mean... It, It's what it's super funny. It's super funny. So I, I just as you were doing oh, that, I, actually, I know. I went and looked at no, some of the really that, weird ones. 
there's some really weird ones. <laughs> there's always some weird ones I, because there's always those little candy. Glenn Hubbard with a snake. Like yeah, the snake. There's John Johnston with the uh, 84 Fleer where he's got the weird uh, kind of beach ball hat. My yeah. favorite, actually, that comes to mind are the 1992 Bowman uh, set. Uh, 92 Bowman, which is Mariano Rivera's rookie, Mike Piazza's, Trevor Hoffman, uh, Pedro Martinez. Uh, it's the weirdest picture of Mariano know. Rivera, I think, ever, by the way. It, there you go. Th that's <laughs> where I'm going, is that, is that whatever was going on with the Topps photographer, half the set, maybe a third of the set, it's a big set, it's like 705 cards or whatever, the photographer got probably a th the whole rookie class or whatever to take like like prom like not prom like uh, high school yearbook photos like everybody's dressed like how they were on like their high school yearbook day and so some of these photos are just ridiculous like they're laughable because it's also 1992 funny era all these guys are wearing their you know long braided belts their weird buttoned up uh, shirts with all the multicolors still 80s neon lingering hair. around <laughs> it's it's terrible the whole set is just laughable and i didn't realize it until i bought a couple boxes i was opening it looking for mariano which is a very iconic card but i started coming across all these other guys and i'm like these are ludicrous. Like the, that I feel bad for a lot of these guys because they're rookie card. They look like, they kind of look like clowns and it's like bad yearbook photos. And, but my favorite card out of that whole set is actually, um, uh, who's now a friend is Cliff, uh, Floyd, um, who he, when the, he was with the tops photographer, uh, yeah, the, uh, the guy taking the photos for Bowman, he had a baseball and there was a basketball hoop and the guy was like, Oh, go jump in, you know, see if you can dunk the, the baseball. So he runs over and dunks, you know, full rim basketball, but he, and he does the Jordan kind of jump man kind of style and he dunks the baseball and the, and the photographer captured it at the exact right moment. And it's, it's such a cool card. And so if I, about a year, a year and a half ago or whatever, it was about a year ago, I did a post on TikTok and Instagram where I, I talked about how Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. You know, ridiculous the 92 Bowman set is from all these photos. And I talked about the I didn't know Floyd, about this uh, one. <laughs> Yeah, I talked about the Cliff Floyd uh, <clears throat> card, and he actually reached out to me about it afterwards. And uh, and then I met up with him in the Bahamas about six, seven months ago, and uh, we were at a party together. And uh, and Cliff comes over and he's like, "You're the guy that did that post about me about the." Uh, there it is. <laughs> I didn't and know so about this one. I had like, to look it up. <laughs> and so yeah, and so now we're like you know, we're, uh, we're buddies and we're buddies because, you know, I called him out for this card on my post and we ended up hanging out at this party, talking all things about what, you know, uh, his relationship to cards. We're going to go open some packs, uh, sometime this year. And now he's a friend because of this card right here, which is kind of funny. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's the perfect reason to have baseball cards, uh, be your going right there. You get to meet yeah. cool people like Cliff Floyd, who is a definitely one of the funner people around baseball, especially listen to him just talk on base. He's one of the reasons I love watching the major league baseball network, him and the guys there yeah. are just, I feel like it's a bunch of goofballs like us that just happen to be in front of a camera. Oh, they're goofballs. They're all goofballs, man. There's so much fun. Yeah. Well, there's only so much sanity you can have when there's so many pauses in an actual baseball game, right? Until the last year, anyway. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I happened to meet um, a Blue Jay this year um, when I was up on my last visit to Toronto. I actually met Davis Schneider and uh, Jay Jackson. And Jay Jackson being a perennial major leaguer over the last decade. And Jay Jackson, <laughs> they were just, everybody was asking him, so how's it being in the bullpen now? Because he used to be a starting pitcher. And he goes, oh, there's some, there's some stuff that happens in the bullpen. And that's all he kept saying. That's why he wouldn't divulge any one more word. It was just, don't worry. There's stuff that's happening because everybody was trying to get like the, you know, the Cubs like playing with the bobsled thing on the cameras and stuff like that. What do you do in the bullpen with all that downtime in baseball? And they couldn't get anything out of Jay Jackson during that interview. <laughs> so I thought it was very amusing. But that is really cool that you got to meet Jay, uh, Cliff Boyd and talk that baseball card in particular, because I, I, like I said, I didn't know that one, Jason. Is that the first time you've seen that one? First time I've ever seen it. Super. And this is, you know, when Craig and I were talking about this, like, this is the kind of stuff that really like only, only you, Brian would be able to like, first of all, if somebody says that, you mean images immediately come into your head about cards. And I have certain ones that, you know, over the years have stuck with me. I, I feel like there was a weird Mike Trout card where he had like a snake head or something like that. Like a, like, a, and that's what I remember. And then there was a weird hockey one. I don't know if, if you guys remember uh, Pavel Bure, who played for the Vancouver Canucks. He played for the, the Florida Panthers. He was one of the first Russians to really, like, be a, a, a real flash, you know, player. His first card was this hokey picture of him sitting on the beach in Anaheim with a pair of, like, like pink and, and yellow um, rollerblades around his neck. And it was like the worst thing you ever saw in your life. But it sticks out as, like you said, it's a memory that'll never get out of my head because it was so awful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I got to show that's you guys right. one of the weird ones from my uh, youth that I hear. That's a, I was a big Juan Guzman fan back in the day. Yeah, And I loved watching him. And he was just an awesome guy. Um, I had the pleasure of meeting him when I was a young boy. And this is just one of those silly baseball card <laughs> yeah. from, I think it was 95 Upper Deck or something like that. But to that point, I just had to look it up and show it because it's like, okay, where the hell did you get that glove first off? And then just to be chilling there in spring training, getting it warmed up. <laughs> Kind of was ready awesome. to go. Yeah. So that's the ahead, best Brian, is when you accidentally. Yeah. It's, I always find it fun when you're going through, uh, you know, opening packs or going through a set and you just randomly come across the most bizarre cards and you realize that, you know, these players or the photographers or the executives at, at the card making companies, somebody had a sense of humor. Yeah. And I really like that. I, I like those little Easter eggs. Isn't there a newer one that's got a squirrel or a chipmunk running through the batter's box and a guy's hit like it's right by his foot in the batter's box too? I seem to remember that. Like yeah. Like that's the Easter egg is that they left the picture or somebody put the squirrel in. I mean, I don't know if it was real or not, but I, I do like it when yeah, there's yeah. humor in that stuff. It's it's good. It shows that it's, it's real and it's not all a business and it allows these guys – it, my one of my big beefs about the entirety of professional sports is these guys aren't allowed to be themselves anymore. When they can't, you know, there's so many things you can't do now uh, as a professional athlete. I just love it that their personalities are, are allowed to shine a little bit in cards, you know. And I've always found that to yeah. be a, a really romantic part about the baseball card is that there is a little slice of their personality and some fun in some of those. Um, it happens now with some of their player pictures and stuff like that. When they're when you go to the stadium, like you see a guy with a goofy yeah. picture, and and you're like, that has to be planned, you know that that they allowed him to. Um, to there's a couple of guys that I've seen, and it's really funny. It makes me laugh every time. So there's a recent Blue Jay lore baseball card that apparently never saw the light of day from uh, 2016. This is after the Blue Jays obviously, you know, lost notoriously in the 2015 um, ALCS. Troy Tulowinski being a big part of that addition in the run in 2015. Come spring training that following year, they were, um, you know, picture day and getting ready. And, um, you know, the baseball card people were there taking pictures during spring training games. Somebody asked Troy Tulinski, thinking he was somebody else, to, hey, get on the mound. We need you to do some warm-ups. And Troy Tulinski, being Troy Tulinski, got on the mound and started warming up. And I believe they were captioned as, like, J-Hap for a minute. 
<laughs> or something like that. And the fact that it obviously I would have loved to seen that car just say Jay Happen and see Troy Tulowitzki all wound up with a bat with a you know <laughs> pitching glove and whatnot would have been hysterical just to throw out as a error proof card or something like that or a promo card or something. But uh, that was something that stuck out to me in the midst of you guys saying that that was a story that I happened to stumble onto in my brain. <laughs> Well, actually, you know, back in the day, one of the most exciting things for people to collect, you know, there's Billy Ripken, but it was, it was all the error cards. We enjoyed yeah. collecting the odd, you know, oddball. Like the, I remember the 89 upper deck, um, Dale Murphy card was from what I remember more popular than Griffey for a while because everyone wanted the reverse negative. All it was is just a horizontally flipped card, uh, a photo, <laughs> and they released it and everyone had to have it. The Juan Gonzalez reverse negative, everyone had to have it. Uh, one of my favorites that's really hard to come by is the there's an error with um, uh, Barry Bonds in 87 Don Russ uh, with, I think it's uh, Johnny, Johnny Ray. Uh, so it says Barry Bonds on the card on an 87 Donruss, which is a, such an overprinted junk wax card. But instead of Barry Bonds photo, it's Johnny Ray's photo. And it's worth <laughs> like, you know, minimum, you're just going to spend at least $3,000 to get one of those. There and was that so Jay Happ card really right there. Hard. Yeah, really hard to come across. And somehow these cards that were the errors or the Marlboro signed with 89 Fleer, um, Randy Johnson. We just all wanted error cards, and we, you know, we like the oddities, the oddball cards, which yeah. I find interesting. It's not just the superstars, so, exactly. And that's, I think, to your point, what we were talking about before the show went on with uh, the hockey card Jason's hiding there with uh, somebody's jersey that might be just a rare card just because somebody didn't print it as much. Simple as that, yeah, you never know, yeah. So, Brian, I'd be doing a massive disservice to you if i didn't give you a chance to actually talk about mint rather than just keep throwing it in here and saying you're the founder on the show so give us a little bit of insight on first off obviously you're collecting spawn this whole thing but give us a little story on how you got to where you got to with the um, like i said a really cool product yeah thanks um it's yeah mint has been a labor of love it is a uh it's been a a passion. I remember first thinking about it when I was on going on the bus between uh, White Rock and Vancouver, BC, when those early days of collecting, where I kept picturing all the cards that I liked, but I was like, what I want is to be able to have them in a frame, put them on my wall in some sort of a, a cool, aesthetically pleasing way. And the more I got collecting, the more as much as I was looking at the cards, I was thinking about the the display options. and the, And I would go to every possible card shop or card show or frame shop, trying to find a way to protect my cards and display them. Cause I did not like the graded cards. I thought the graded cases were stupid and ugly. I thought the, the flips at the top with all the serial numbers and logo and logos. And like, I don't care to see a grading company's logo on my, on the front of my card. I would rather not see it there. I'd rather have the focus on the card itself. I don't care about one brand of graders particular color scheme that they like i don't want it i want to just have my card and i didn't like plastic i didn't like uh and when i would want to take all my cards put them on my wall that i'd take them to the framers and the framers would tell me that they would have to destroy my cards pretty much you know put glue or tape or whatever in order to build the frames that i wanted and so I kind of gave up for, you know, it was always something that I would do in the future. Uh, so someday I will build a display for my cards that I think is not only super protective for them and UV coated and counterfeit protected, but also just look like art on my wall, you know. Uh, and so about two years ago, over about two and a half years ago, um, you know, because of pandemic reasons, I was in the midst of career uh, kind of chaos trying to i was doing television and tourism with china which is the worst possible thing you can do during a pandemic uh <laughs> from pandemic. <laughs> and so yeah and i was actually in the middle of flying back and forth to china all the time at that point and i all of a sudden couldn't go back uh for work and so my team and i were thinking about things we could do and we you know one of my guys was like surely you have an idea brian of a company 
that we could work on in the while we're kind of waiting for the everything to kind of pass real and i said well i said well i have this idea for a uh display and protection uh company for cards and other collectibles not just cards but comic books and funko pops and uh, coin stamps action figures you name it anything that p someone can collect i wanted to build a display for it i wanted people to put my guitar on my wall or whatever right and so i ended up coming up with the company mint which is without question uh, the, you know, the greatest display materials you'll ever see because we use glass and stainless steel and uh, a number of counterfeiting materials. Like, so a lot of people see this and they think, oh, it's just two pieces of glass and a bit of steel kind of together. No, there's 20 different pieces that make up the mint case on the inside. There's like Viton and titanium and steel. Like there's a, it's a really sophisticated system to be able to not only make sure that the card is, is like i could leave it out in the sun it's going to be fine but also that nobody can ever counterfeit this you cannot open this without us being aware that it's been opened and you can't seal it back up without us being able to take care of that so it's one thing to see this it's another thing to hold these it's a very different experience to hold a mint case because it's heavy it has sophistication and then like any other company in the, you know that's ever done protection and display of cards we actually spent most of our time on the engineering side. You know, uh, no card manufacturer or uh, has ever thought, let's let's actually bring an engineering into this thing. Let's spend the time to mechanical engineer every possible detail to the most minute kind of tolerances to make sure we get this thing as perfect as it can possibly be. And so we did that. And so it's, I can't wait for everyone across, you know, the card collecting world to be able to experience a mint case firsthand because every single time, every time, single time somebody holds a mint case, it's always the same reaction, which is, whoa, that's a lot heavier than I thought. Whoa, that's a lot cooler than I thought. Brian, do you know that this is going to change the hobby? Do you have any idea how big this is going to be? It's always I mean, they the same look awesome. Brian, you should know. Like, I mean, as just as a guy who, who, as soon as, you know, Greg told me about this, I went and took a look and I was just like, my God, like when you see something that's so Let different me help you out in the with industry, this it's, it's just, yeah, it's just so neat. And when you do have stuff that, like you said, means so much to people in different ways, um, it's just cool to be able to see, like I have a number of jerseys that I've hung on the wall and they're Sorry. a pain in the ass and you have to get them done right. And you have to poke pins through them and all this other stuff to just make them hang properly within the things. And then the Jersey boxes weigh like 85 pounds. So, you know, it's, it's not there a proper that. way to display. And if you don't do it that way though, they look like crap. So I thought this was a really neat idea and I'm hoping that, uh, you know, the, 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 the people that do check out the cast, you know, if you do have cards and collectibles, check this thing out. I mean, they're deadly. Yeah. Yeah. Scroll down a little bit. Like, like, and loving it. Like we, we didn't, we didn't want to just make the cases like uh, that's kind of our high end case. This is our hobby case. We have these hobby frames. And if you scroll down a little further, this is what um, yeah, so, when I saw it, I was like, wow, that yeah, is that that's what awesome. you were talking about. To a T. That's, I was going to ask you if I need to put my electrical engineering hat on and put some bells and whistles on this <laughs> thing for you, my friend. But it looks like you've already. Uh, beaten thank me you. <laughs> no, we're 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 actually going to make uh, be making two different versions of this. One that has more bells and whistles, where we're using electromagnetics on the inside to be able to hold the cases to the wall, so that as we use biometrics, like your thumbprint on the side of the display. Uh, so on the other side of that display, there's actually. Um, uh, a place for your thumbprint. And yeah, so when you click it, a hundred pounds of electromagnetic force holds the, the cases to the wall. And then it's, yeah, fully LED backlit. And then we're going to be building, uh, since we built these prototypes, that's real. That's not like a render right there. That's a real uh, uh, wall display we built. That's my wall. That's awesome. And, uh, <laughs> and what we're going to be doing is putting a little LCD screen underneath each bay so that as you put your card in any of the bays, the the display will read the card and be able to display what the name of the card is and like the grade of the card underneath. So cool. we've got a lot of cool stuff that we're going to be doing with display. These are also modular, so they're stackable. You can um, 
we're going to be putting out these up in every stadium in the world for every sport. So that when you walk into like Yankee stadium, we're going to see Babe Ruth card next to, you know, uh, Lou Gehrig next to Aaron judge, whatever. And we want people to be able to, you know, walk into a stadium and see all the greats of their team on the wall. You're going to be able to go to Jay's stadium and see, you know, the McGriffs and the Alomars and the Jimmy keys and, and everybody in, uh, in, you know, the Jay's history, because uh, this is the new way to display. And we're going to do this awesome. for every kind of collectible. Absolutely every kind of collectible. Yeah. Did you say there are RFID on that one that you were talking about when you put them in to display? Yeah. yeah. We're going to be doing yeah. RFID, NFC kind of stuff where the, the wall display will be a smart display interacting with the cards. And we'll That's be putting awesome. those That's RFID cool. chips inside the cases. Now you just got to get like yeah, chat GPT in the background to like give you the, the, the accurate <laughs> Beckett value as you're sitting there on it. <laughs> you're gonna be yeah. Well, that's, that's the thing, man, is, is we're, I'm going to be like putting a lot of money into R and D over the next several years with this. And so we're going to have it where you put a card on like a desk stand and it will like be able to like start playing uh, like highlight clips of that player or, Oh um, now you're, bring, now you're really bringing me back, Brian, because yeah, now you're awesome. bringing me back to the um, I'm thinking the little blue tape recorder with the baseball cards that literally had the record needle on the bat talking bit ba- talking. Baseball yeah, I remember those. Yeah. I had I uh, I would not be shocked that I still have that somewhere in the house here, but I guarantee you it probably still had D cell batteries in it. And the cards are the only thing that's worth it anymore. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, well, that, I do repair things for time. a living, so maybe I could figure it out. <laughs> Well, that's the stuff we're going to be doing. If we, we kind of that's think really of ourselves cool. like Q branch of the collectibles world where we're, if we can think of it and people want it, we're going to build it and to make, you know, everybody's house that participates, it's going to look like James Bond, like how he would like right there. That's what we built for the Yankee stadium. You know, now those that are all the very, Yankee very cool. uh, hall of famers. Yeah. And we're going to make, uh, you know, economical versions <laughs> You know, we we didn't want this just be for the ultra wealthy or the ultra, you know, whatever. We we that's why we made uh, what we call the hobby case and the hobby frame. Those are going to be for for everyone. It's going to be a much lower price point. Um, it's uh, we're just getting started. Mint is uh, has a lot of uh, momentum right now. We're going to be doing a lot of cool stuff. It's awesome. Well, we're hoping we infected your uh, fun with a little bit of extra Blue Jay fandom this evening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, hopefully when I come out to Blue Jay Stadium sometime in 2024, hopefully I can meet up with a bunch of uh, people in the area. We can all meet up somewhere and uh, and talk cards, open some packs, film some stuff, and go see the game or whatever. Definitely. And if you are going to ever do that, please let us know. We will definitely make sure we have you on here that we can all get a, yeah. have a beer together on the flight deck and have some fun. <laughs> that would be awesome. I'm totally down for that. So on that note, Brian, is there anything else you would like to, I gave you your pitch here, but I was very happy to hear that and everything to that point. Uh, but I, I, I was enamored with the fact that I was liking your videos, just watching Instagram, just ripping open the packs you had kind of an epic pack the other day when you opened up that one that you finally found your Trevor Hoffman in. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, I, that was the, you know, I, I, it's funny. I opened that pack. I, I was in my storage unit and I was like, I have this box of some random packs. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I was just moving into a new apartment and I was like, okay, I'm going to watch game one of the world series. And I grabbed a few packs and I realized I still had two packs of 92 Bowman. And I opened one of them and, you know, I think it was the second or third card was the Trevor Hoffman. And I was already happy about that. I was already pleased. I was like, okay, let's watch this game. Let's have a good evening. And then I flipped through the rest of the cards and I was like, every card in this pack is like a hall of famer or a key player from, you know, from that era. And it was just like the ultimate, it's, it's rare to have a hot pack like that of junk wax. And I mean, it's 92 is debatable whether it's junk or not, but it's like, it was just all of a sudden I'm like hit after hit after hit and one, and one pack and, and, you know, made my night and got to see the, you know, Rangers destroy the diamondbacks that night. (laughs) (laughs) There's the catch. So I I would be doing baseball fans a disservice before I open up a one pack here and see what happens before we rattle off the end of the show. Um, We got to talk. 
World Series for at least a couple of minutes. And I won't hold you too long here just so we can wrap up the last you know, yeah, few minutes sure. here of the hour. So we're two games in. It has been evenly split. And one was an epic end with the Texas Rangers tying up the game on a home run and Adolis Garcia just destroying and last, you know, and running off the field in epic fashion with a walk-off. But then game two, fellas, a blistering by the Diamondbacks of the Texas Rangers in their house. Game three starts tonight. And I think a few minutes here, actually, hence the reason we got to get off this show. <laughs> Let you at least listen to on your rest of your road trip for a uh, little league tonight. Um, what are we thinking? I've been leaning in the ballpark that I do think the Diamondbacks are going to win in six games because I just think the offense is slightly obnoxious. But Brian, what are you thinking? Wow, that's actually pretty much exactly what I was going to say is I think I think the Diamondbacks have it. I think they're uh, I think they just whatever they had in the last game when they just just ran over the Rangers. I mean, the Rangers, great team. Uh, I'm happy to see them in the World Series. If there was any other team, I, I mean, I'm very pleased that the Rangers are there. But the Diamondbacks, seeing like Corbin Carroll, like he, he just it's just phenomenal. Oh, you know what I love the most is watching their stolen base game, seeing how they're just trying to get to second base, whatever it takes, because if they're getting to second base, they're getting home. And that so I love that kind of scrappy. Let's run as fast as we can on the bases. It actually kind of reminds me more of Little League Baseball. And so when I see major league players playing like how we used to, in junior high by giving it their all and running as fast as they can and taking the risks. That's the kind of baseball I love to see. So I like that scrappy. That's why I'm all in on the diamondbacks, but I think it's going to take them a bit to officially get there. I, th I think it's going to be diamondbacks in six games. Jason. Yeah. Where I, you at, I, my you know, it, it's interesting because I didn't think this at the start and I am no fan of the Texas Rangers, but I've, I felt myself You're a blue Jay fan. I'm not shocked. Well, I've been, I felt <laughs> myself pulling for them though. And I, I feel like it is 100% Garcia and seeker that are making me do it. Like, I mean, there's just something about those two that, that draw you in. And then on the flip side of things, I mean, you really like, I mean, how do you not love Alex Thomas? Like, honestly, like, I mean, and Carol and but there's just something about that D-backs team that that I mean I agree with you Brian I think they're going to win I seven somewhere in that wheelhouse obviously but it's it's interesting to watch because you know we've kind of gone through this by watching the the Rays do this you know the Rays out athletic to everybody for a couple of years that you know that's how they won is they were just more athletic and that's what the Diamondbacks remind me of they're a good baseball team but they're uber athletic everybody on the team is athletic yeah. and i mean if it isn't the hardest kick in the shins possibly it, i mean in the, as long as i can remember but the dalton varsho trade really 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 looks yeah. bad now i mean it's you know for them to have given up on moreno and to just watch this super stud you know roll through i mean he looks like he's played for 20 years he's not even 20 years old is he like i mean it's insane um and, I think the crazier part, even to your point, Jason, is how well he's handling that pitching staff. Merrill looked nuts the other night. Throwing guys out, <laughs> throwing, you know, back throwing guys at one. You know, it's it's fun baseball to watch. I'm looking forward to watching the game tonight. I don't really have a horse in the race. So hit six home runs, you know, throw some guys out, do whatever. It's it's all fun to watch. I don't care. <laughs> you know, the very second that the Adolis uh, Garcia hit that grand slam, like the second it happened, as soon as I saw that, I went immediately on eBay and bought a refractor auto rookie of his right yeah, on the spot because I was like, yeah, I was, it's so I was like, funny. I'm having a great time. I want to remember this game and I remember that player. Yeah, yeah. I thought about buying a jersey or a T-shirt. Just I, I like him. I like the way he is. I like that big smile. You know, I like the fact that he was willing to call Maldonado out because for anybody who doesn't think they threw that ball at him, they're wrong. He threw that ball right at him. Um, <laughs> So it's, you know, I like a lot about him. And and like I said, I've, I've always been a Corey Seager fan. My, my one son is a big Dodgers guy. And um, I always thought Corey Seager was an underrated player, even as good as he was. Um, he just didn't get the run some of the other guys who were playing short get. And he's so good. Like he's just, just, you know, crazy good. And, and it's nice to see him be able to, I was a little worried he wasn't performing at the start of the year this year, big deal. And, you know, like, like franchise player for the Rangers, but you know, 
it's uh it's 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 a fun series it's a fun series and i think it's still going to be every one of these games is going to be great they're going to be a lot of fun to watch go good deal so my daughter happens to be joining us here she's going to open up this one pack if she can figure out how to do it again (laughs) (laughs) what pack we open it you don't need to be so it's a 20 it's set to 2023 tops new stuff that's apparently all i could find at the (laughs) hobby store that the guy didn't want to rip me off for (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but to that point let's see what you got oh. hey, give me a, hey. no I'll rip it open more so you don't bend them all right. you've done this before <laughs> no, I haven't. anyway you got to come over here so i can see who you got <laughs> got jordan groshans there's an ex blue jay for you <laughs> deep cuts jay higgins Yoshi Sugo. There's another one that used to be good for a little bit. (laughs) Carlos Perez, Nick Senzel, JP Crawford, guy that Blue Jays fans love to hate. (laughs) Yep. Mariners fans love to hate him too. Yeah. Victor Robles, team cards. There's a Walker Bueller. That's a pretty good one if he can get it back into it. There's your Dodger one. Jason, do I need to send you this one? (laughs) Butane. Another another playoff uh, performer with, uh, you know, Jesus Lazardo. Another really good one there. And I think she's got a really thick card here. What do we got? That is a really thick card. Wow, that was a really good one that you pulled. She pulled a Father's Day jersey, Freddie Freeman. Oh, come on. <laughs> I'm going to have to make you open up that whole box. I'm gonna... And then there is also a... a Shohei Atani stars of MLB refractor card here too. It looks like. So she did pretty good. Well played. I'm gonna have to keep using your luck until we can see what we can get out of here. <laughs> That's a great pack, man. I was surprised. That was the first one I opened out of the box. I know it was a hobby box, so usually it has a little bit better of what was in it than some of the other ones. But at least it wasn't a you know the Target Walmart brought box. You know, that <laughs> Freddie Freeman's worth five bucks. There you go. Oh, I'm sure, but to that point, that's going right up on the wall. That ain't going anywhere else. (laughs) Making money. (laughs) Making it. It's actually a really cool David Ortiz one here that she hid from me, too. Got an old school one going back to the old school tops. 35th anniversary. Tops right there. I love the, I always love those cards. Those are the classic, just clean, polished, looks great. That's what a baseball card is. Couldn't have you on, Brian. Yeah. Correct. I couldn't have you on without opening at least one card. One <laughs> no, I appreciate it, man. You can never open too many packs, man. So last minute of shameless self-promoting. If you want to get it in before we do our typical sign-off of two claps and a Ric Flair with always a Let's Go Blue Jays. <laughs> and uh, if you could hang out for like 0.2 seconds after we get signed off, I would greatly appreciate yeah. it. So- no, no, for sure. I'm good to go. No, I just wanted to say uh, thanks to you guys and thanks to, to your audience for listening. It's been a real blast. Who doesn't love getting a chance to talk cards and sports and heroes? Uh, it was a real blast. Thanks so much, guys. Really appreciate it. No problem, Mike. Definitely. It was great having you on. Anytime you want to have a ta- conversation, you are always more than welcome. So on that note, Blue Jays fans, make sure you join us every week, even through the off season, Monday evening, 7 o'clock Eastern time. And we are going to have just fun the whole offseason until we get some free agent moves and whatnot. And I don't want to gloom and doom everybody with season reviews and stuff like uh, our friends over at jaysjournal.com and Fansite are doing this evening and everything start like that, that over the next couple of weeks. <laughs> There's only so many Kevin Vigio reviews I can read. <laughs> as much as I love cold, Craig. Exactly. But to that point, we're still post-decision in the Barrios thing, so I can only get so far from it. But we will be back, like I said, every week with something fun to talk about, something fun to do, including our guest, that Blue Jay bracket that is now up to five teams. So, Brian, if you have anybody that wants to join that competition, you're more than welcome to find a teammate and join that, too. (laughs) So on that note, Blue Jays fans, (laughs) make sure you tune in and we'll talk to you soon. Ready, boys? One, two, three. Woo! Let's go, Blue Jays. And I lost my mouse. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Jaybird Watching Podcast. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Twitch at BirdWatchingGC and our YouTube channel. If you want to support the show and get extra content, please consider joining us to our Patreon at patreon.com slash 
Birdwatching GC. Go Jays, go. Woo! Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.